river is cleaner than it's been in decades. Fish populations have rebounded, and wildlife, including bald eagles, thrive along the river's banks. The river is a gathering place for friends, neighbors, and families. Children are discovering a river that their grandparents never knew. This is why the Delaware River is the river of the year for 2020. This is Bridge Street, and I'm Steve Chernowski. Back in April, the organization American Rivers made the Delaware River their 2020 River of the Year. They noted the advocacy of groups like the Delaware Watershed Initiative and the Coalition for the Delaware River Watershed. One major achievement they cited was New Jersey protecting 600 miles of waterways with a C1 status, which means new development cannot occur within 300 feet of the banks of a waterway. This greatly reduces the amount of harmful runoff into the rivershed, for example. I spoke earlier with Dr. Danielle Krieger of the Partnership for the Delaware Estuary about her work with freshwater mussels that help filter the watershed. For this episode, I talked with Maya Van Rossum, the Delaware Riverkeeper, about her work. We spoke back in July of 2020. I'm Maya Van Rossum, and for the last 26 years, I have served as the leader of the Delaware Riverkeeper Network and as the Delaware Riverkeeper. People have worked so hard, so long to protect our beautiful Delaware River and getting this kind of recognition for the tremendous success we have um, achieved in those, those protection efforts is just wonderful. And so, as you said, for American Rivers to recognize that uh, is is really powerful and important and really validating for all the communities that have worked so hard for so long. To you, to you as well. I, I, I would guess that your work has a lot to do with that. Well, it's very kind of you to say, and I, I would heartily agree with you. Um, we have worked very hard for these uh, all these decades to protect our beautiful Delaware River. And I am very proud to say that it is through the leadership of the Delaware Riverkeeper Network that we achieved the longest stretch of river anywhere in the nation, 197 miles of river with the highest, what they call anti-degradation protection anywhere in the nation. Um, and that we have led the fight to keep fracking out of our watershed and the moratorium that protects our watershed to this day um, is, is, uh, in due, due in significant part to the leadership of my organization and all of the wonderful advocacy of our partners. Um, and of course, that those two pieces of protection were critically important for this American Rivers recognition because if our watershed had been uh, and our upper reaches of the watershed had been allowed to become overwhelmed by continuing pollution inputs and development projects and the fracking industry, I don't see how we could have achieved this really spectacular recognition. But we're here, and we have these protections, and we have wonderful communities working with the Delaware Riverkeeper Network on so many issues to keep in place um, the protections that we've achieved and secure even more over time. Now, has any fracking happened within the Delaware Basin itself at this time in, in the summer of 2020? No, and that is because of the moratorium that the Delaware Riverkeeper Network um, led the way to secure. What back in 1992, because of our work and our advocacy, we got um, this 
special designation and this special body of regulations called special protection waters in place for the upper reaches of the watershed. And then again, in um, 2005, we led the petition that secured that protection for the reach of the river um, from the water gap down to, um, down to Trenton. Um, and that's what I refer to, that special protection waters designation is that highest uh, river designation, anti-degradation designation that I referenced earlier. That body of uh, regulations requires that the Delaware River Basin Commission protect the existing water quality of the Delaware River. That's the water quality that existed when we got those special protection waters designations in 1992 and then later in uh, 2005 for the lower non-titled Delaware River. When fracking came knocking on the boundaries of our Delaware River watershed, we immediately went to the Delaware River Basin Commission and um, demanded protections be put in place, saying that there is no way that the DRBC could meet their obligation to protect existing water quality if fracking was allowed to happen. And lo and behold, the leadership at the time agreed with us. And a moratorium was put in place in 2010 against any fracking operations, um, including wastewater discharges and water withdrawals within the boundaries of our watershed. And so that moratorium holds till this day. We are working hard to turn it into a permanent ban, while others are working hard to get that protection removed. So, um, so no, there is no fracking. Um, but we need to remain vigilant in order to keep it that way. And we need people to get engaged with the Delaware Riverkeeper Network and our banned fracking campaign um, in order to turn that moratorium protection from 2010 into a permanent ban that we can really count on moving forward. And uh, I'll link in, a, in a, a map of the watershed uh, in, the, in the area for uh, listeners that can actually view it because I'm looking at it now and yeah, it, it, basically the Delaware River, for the most part, seems to make up most of Pennsylvania's entire eastern border, uh, and it does. It looks like the origins of the river uh, are in branches in New York State, Upper New York State. And I'm looking at the Susquehanna right adjacent on the in the west of of the Delaware, and I remember that being the most called the most in danger river, uh, like a handful of years ago. I feel. Uh, I I recall that as well, and it it becoming true, right? Fracking is happening in central and western Pennsylvania, and the Susquehanna is one of the um, hardest hit rivers. Now, as you noted before, you mentioned pennies. We have also um, been helping to lead the battle against pennies with so many wonderful community groups and um, communities against pipeline organizations um, in Lambertville, um, you know, in Hope, in all the, the communities. Um, in that in the region that are going to be impacted by the Penny Pipeline, as well as other key partners like New Jersey Sierra Club, Environment New Jersey, the Clean Air Council, um, Burke's Gas Truth, the Better Path Coalition, and and others. And the reason why we have to engage in that battle is that while our watershed is protected from fracking. We are not protected from fracking infrastructure. And so the, the wealth of fracking that is happening in central and western Pennsylvania is 
is the source, right, is literally the fuel for projects like the Penn East pipeline, as well as the Gibstown LNG export facility that we're battling against lower down on the river, as well as other pipelines that we've battled in the past, like the Northeast Upgrade Project further north, um, cutting across the Delaware River from Pennsylvania um, through New Jersey. So these are, these are um, monumental battles that we have to continue to take on in tandem with our efforts to defend and defeat, defend against and defeat fracking because the, the two are um, um, 100% connected, right? More fracking, more pipelines, more pipelines, more fracking. And so it goes. Um, and so it's really important that we defeat the Penn East Pipeline Project. We have multiple um, legal challenges against Penn East. And I do believe that ultimately we will be victorious, but there's a lot of hard work along the way. So like what other efforts like this uh, have possibly helped add uh, wildlife and other new uh, abundance of animals to the river? You know, a lot of the protections are, are um, I think, much more obvious that we do need to restore our floodplains because one of the things that forested floodplains do is they cleanse the water. So when the water rises and it overtops the banks, if it can go into forested landscapes along the river, that helps cleanse out pollution um, that would otherwise enter the river. It also actually becomes a, a food source for the critters as, and is a critical part of the habitat. So protecting those riverside lands, those floodplain lands, from development and also helping to restore them where damage has already occurred, regardless of, of you know what is the source of that damage. Um, that's been critically important. There are also, all the time, there are proposals to literally fill in portions of the Delaware River in order to accommodate new development. And it's, mm. it's um, people and activism that prevent prevent has prevented those encroachments from happening because every encroachment comes a new pollution source and the loss of more habitat. So a lot of the, the, the success in protecting the quality and enhancing the quality of the river is really helping to protect and enhance the river system it, itself, whether you're talking about the addition of mussels or the protection and restoration of floodplains, restoring natural flows to tributary streams where perhaps there had been a dam in the past, removing that dam so those tributary waters can flow more freely and more cleanly, bringing cleaner water into the main stem Delaware River um, um, and activities like that. It's really, there's, it's just such a multifaceted problem and solution. Yeah, and you mentioned a lot of the green infrastructure and floodplains and allowing that water to be filtered even before it gets back to the river. You know, we're talking storm, storm water, uh, of course. Um, I guess another thing looking here uh, in Lambertville is that, that storm drain, like development and the problems that overdevelopment cause with the sediments being rushed into the, the river and the, and the water stream and the creeks. Is that the biggest thing residents can look out for is to simply not use pesticides and really like just take care of their own property and make sure that that storm water has a safe passage uh, or safer, I guess, passage to the Delaware. So that is certainly part of the solution. And in addition to not using chemicals on your own property, 
try to restore a native landscape. Even small um, front gardens and back gardens become tremendous opportunity opportunities for creating beautiful native landscapes that help the critters, right? The birds, the bees, the butterflies um, provide incredible beauty to your own home, but also help restore the absorbency to the soil so that when it does rain, rather than just rushing off your lawnscape or, or the road into the storm drain, the water ha actually has an opportunity to filter through. And if all of those smaller parcels of land were um, routinely restored and revegetated, right, the, the cumulative impacts could be very significant. And you are right, you know, the, even landscapes away from the river because of storm drains, because of detention basins, because of direct passageways to the river become a serious source of pollution and contamination. So everything we do down on the land by the river or up the hill are very vitally important. And, and that landscape restoration piece is a huge part of the problem and a huge part of the solution. In fact, we have a, a, a program called River Friendly Gardens to help guide people mm -hmm. on how they can restore their, um, their own native landscapes in their front yards or their backyards, or perhaps at the local community center or town hall, um, but also tells them actually how much water, how much stormwater they're helping to keep um, in the hydrologic cycle and out of simply being dumped on the river. But I do think in addition to just taking personal responsibility every day in the decisions that we make, it really is important to be part of the bigger conversation. We cannot stop pennies if we don't have the whole community coming together to rally with us to stop pennies. We didn't prevent fracking just because one organization called for it. We prevented fracking in our watershed and kept this protection in place because all of us have banded together to secure and keep in place that protection, right? All the organizations, all the people. And so every time you go to a town council meeting and you hear about uh, a dangerous or damaging project and you speak up, you're part of the solution. And you might not be able to defeat that new development project that's going to cause harm all by yourself, but by speaking up, you help bring attention to it, which can help bring other voices to it. And that's how we can collectively all work together um, to achieve success in not just protecting, but as you say, restoring the quality of the waters in our beautiful Delaware River. Um, and then I, I imagine also some of these uh, solutions that you mentioned could be found in, in your book, The Green Amendment. Uh, do you want to give a plug for, for your book? Well, so every penny um, raised from sales from The Green Amendment goes back to our national Green Amendments for the Generations movement, which is about advancing um, protection of the right within the Bill of Rights section of the Constitution, the right to pure water, clean air, a stable climate, and healthy environments. And one of the states where we have this highest level of constitutional protection advancing right now is the state of New Jersey. And so I would encourage people, um, if they're interested in the book, The Green Amendment, like I said, it's, it's a, every penny goes back to, to this effort um, and will help support advancing a Green Amendment in the state of New Jersey. But they could also go to www nj green amendment and they'll get some more information on how they uh, on the power and importance of this concept and how they can get involved in advancing it in new jersey but long story short just think about 
you know, the fact that we have a right to free speech and freedom of religion, we have private property rights, we even have the right to bear arms. But we do not, in the state of New Jersey, have a right on par with those other rights to clean water, clean air, a stable climate, and healthy environment. And yet we need the water and the air and the environment to literally survive and thrive. And so it would make sense to protect our environmental rights in the Bill of Rights section of the New Jersey Constitution in the same way we protect those other fundamental rights that we hold dear. And so um, if all of us stand together to advance a New Jersey Green Amendment, New Jersey could be the first state in the modern era to have a Green Amendment passed. We have one in Pennsylvania, um, in part due okay. to the work of my organization, and Montana, and that's it. So is there anything else you want to give uh, your website or any other information for listeners, Maya? So www.delawareriverkeeper.org is how you can get involved in all the river issues that we work on, including the Penny Pipeline. Um, and www.njgreenamendment.org. That is the coalition working on the concept of a Green Amendment in the state of New Jersey. So um, thank you for the opportunity to speak and to highlight our beautiful Delaware River and all the communities in Lambertville and around that have fought so hard to protect it. Lambertville is truly a hub of environmental activism that has been key in advancing protections of our Delaware River. And I can tell you, everybody in the watershed knows it, which is why people come from all over for Shad Fest and to enjoy the beautiful riverfront in Lambertville, because um, rightfully so, Lambertville's uh, reputation precedes it. Maya Van Rossum, the Delaware Riverkeeper, thank you so much for joining us here on Bridge Street. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) 